0: I am I am so embarrassed. This is uh, I, I wasn't recording, oh my god. <laughs> Wow. This conversation with Tara Galliano is fantastic, and I so fucked up. We spoke for like 30 minutes before I realized that I wasn't recording. And those 30 or 40 minutes at the beginning were gold. And, good thing, the remainder of the conversation is just as good. Tara is a sex therapist, an author, a coach, and she is releasing her new book, Rediscovering My Body, helping cancer survivors and trauma survivors reconnect to their body. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the wisdom of the body, your body, and how to listen to it. How to listen to what your body is telling you and how to trust it, even when the message or the signal is all scrambled. This is a beautiful conversation. My name is Sean Galinas, and this is The Love Drive. This is so embarrassing. Oh my God. So because it took us so long to like get started, I like hit the pause button and and I was like, oh, I'll spare, I'll spare my editor. The 20 minutes of silence.
1: I love it.
0: Let's just start here. So everybody, if you're listening, you just missed out on 30 minutes of probably the best conversation that I've had with a guest in a long time.
1: Oh, I'm flattered. That's awesome.
0: And hold on, I got to take my sweater off because I'm like embarrassed. And so now the heat. Talking about reconnecting <laughs> to the body.
1: So notice what it is that you notice, right?
0: God, I'm I'm embarrassed, but you know what this this shit happens. Um, yeah, I am feeling heat like in my like just like in my face in my body. Uh, this is not something that I, that I was like really tuned into when I when I was yeah. when I was shut down when I was shut down I wasn't able to connect to my body and I wasn't able to connect emotions to uh, a yeah. physiological yeah. response in my body and I would sit in therapy and my <laughs> my therapist would say uh, so you know what's going on in your body right now how does it feel and I was deeply embarrassed like I couldn't even have the conversation about what's going on in my body. And now I've got a little bit more. Like I'm I'm able to figure out, oh, this feels like embarrassment or this feels like anger or joy yeah. or, you know, anxiety. Yeah. Or fear. So I guess I'll take this opportunity to just recap a little bit <laughs> about awesome. what we talked about. Uh First, introduce yourself briefly, right, and then I I'll, love it. And well, I'll jump in. First, I want to <laughs>
1: say is that I I love what you've shared thus far, and that piece about being in the therapy office and not knowing how to connect what it is that you're feeling. Yeah, that's goodness. That's such great information because now, as I hear you, I feel like what wisdom you're so articulate and you can say exactly what has happened um, in your body, and that's great information. And you're sharing it so effectively with others i love it i love it this that's just so that's richness right there so i'm tara galliano i'm a licensed professional counselor a certified sex therapist and now an author a speaker and a coach Um, the name of my book is rediscovering my body
0: so tara and i have been talking for 40 minutes but but we've been recording you know not recording but like you know quote-unquote recording a podcast episode for the last 20 or so minutes. And I, it's just, it's just been really, really beautiful. It's been beautiful and heartfelt and honest. And it's a conversation about rediscovering your body, right? And like how to tap into the internal wisdom of the body. And when you started saying, listen to people. And if it sounds and feels like bullshit, in your body, then it's worth listening to, or does this resonate? Is this sort of where you were going with that? And at that point I go, Oh my God, this is, this is gold. I need to make sure that I'm recording. And then I switch. And of course the button wasn't red. It was, it was gray.
1: I love it. And
0: I've never done this before, by the way, although I did I did teach a course, and it's supposed to be recorded, and I realized halfway through that it wasn't recorded, so I just hit the button and pretended like nothing was happening, and then I went and re-recorded the first (laughs) section, but obviously you and I can't do that. But
1: we know it was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We know it was. We know you all missed out. This was gold. But anyways, we'll just continue with the gold. So tell me a little bit about why you wrote a book called Rediscovering My Body
1: what i really feel in this moment is that i am part of the transformation of the world really and that that feminine leadership is what needs to happen and that women we all need to connect with the wisdom that is inherent in our own bodies this is our home this is our vessel and that through that connection to our bodies by listening deeply that we can co-create with the universe and and i know that that's what needs to happen cuz Oftentimes you've been programmed or um, pushed into self, not self-referencing, but externally referencing and listening to others and placating others and being in relationship with others at the expense of being in relationship with ourselves. And I know, you know, when you're on an airplane, they say, give yourself the oxygen mask first and then you give it to the other person. And how many times have you heard that on your show? And it's so true that we as women need to do that.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, that thing comes up like every other oh, interview, but it's usually me do. who brings it up. So, you know, people listening, there's, there's a lot of women that listen to this podcast and there are men. Hello guys. I know you're there. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, this, this show is also for you, but okay. I, I loved where you went with this, right? We are, yeah. We're, we're sort of at a precipice there's a movement happening, and you want to be part of the solution to helping people tap into the internal wisdom of their body, and also to kind of push forward leadership, uh-huh, yeah. right? Feminine leadership. I'm like, Amen. Oh, man, I want this so bad. So
1: when we show up as women, S- then we can meet, if we're in heterosexual couples, we can meet our man in the best way. And this is profound work because this work didn't begin with us and it won't end with us that there's more to do, but this comes down through our ancestral lineage that we are all of what they have given us. And so much more, we're not this uh, pull ourselves up from bootstraps, you know, a society where we're these independent individuals is that we are so much more. And I know I see the lineage going forward. I'm a mother and I'm a grandmother and I see the um, the importance of how I show up in relationship to myself and how that profoundly influences how my daughter, how my granddaughter, how they're able to show up for themselves and in relationship with me. It's like, this is not woo-woo stuff. This is really important, serious stuff.
0: This reminds me of a question that I got recently. Someone said, "Do do you think that it's worth staying in the marriage, quote-unquote, for the kids. And I see where this question is coming from, but also the way I answered it is something along the lines of, your kids are going to see you abandon yourself. They're going to see you succumb to hurtful, unwanted, disrespectful behavior so that the kids can be okay, and they're going to learn that from you. And I think kids actually want you to put the oxygen mask. Oh wait, hold. With the oxygen mask, doesn't make sense anymore. But the kids want you yeah. to actually put it on yourself yeah. first. <laughs> That's where the whole thing crumbles. Actually, is when the kids are aware of the oxygen kids, mask. I analogy. have to say,
1: are so smart. They're so perceptive. They're so sensitive, and. And Sean, I did exactly what this uh, woman was asking you about. It's like I stayed married because I my thought process was so much easier to have this man in my bed than out of my bed because we would never be able to co-parent together because this communication would just fall apart. And I thought it would just get into animosity. So that's what I chose. That was my conscious thinking about it. And then the unconscious or the subconscious messages that were then reaffirmed the patterns of not feeling good enough or not showing up in my best and highest self. And then that transmission of energy, knowledge that I gave to my son and my daughter. So it wasn't just the matrilineage, but it was both who then have to deal with that information about how women show up in relationship. How they supplicate to the husband. Um, all of that was what I gave my children in, you know, in my highest and best form as I was that, that, you know, at that time. And now would I make a different decision? Maybe I don't know because I'm not that person, but I know that I have no regrets about what it is that I did because I needed to learn those lessons and I wouldn't be here today informed as I am without learning those. And were they the best decisions? No, but those were the best that I could make at that point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which <did laughs> yeah, there's a difference between the best and the, the best that I can do right now. Also, I don't like assigning values like, oh the, you know this is a right, wrong, this is the best, this is the worst, uh, because it's not very nuanced. It's too black and white and, and there's nothing black and white about life.
1: Aho, I love that.
0: There's nothing black and white about life, and people ask me on a daily basis, like, "How long should I wait to do this?" Right? That that's that's a question I get every day, and and the answer is like, "I don't know."
1: Exactly, but but you know, that's what I would say. But you know, so you just need to tap into that still small voice within yourself and imagine what it's saying to you. And there's so many ways to do that to be able to really listen to what the voice is saying was true for you. Because yeah, you don't know, I don't know, but, but you know, you know, you who are asking the question, no. And I know that to be true.
0: Well, okay. So, and we talked about this a little earlier. What about when there's trauma? Because your your book and and a lot of your work came from yeah. uh, you helping cancer survivors, right? Women reconnecting to their body after having a traumatic event, right? A traumatic event being anything that overwhelms the system and and I think cancer uh, qualifies.
1: Trauma happens, goodness, I would say continuously in our society that we're overwhelmed multiple times. I mean, just this year, coronavirus, uh, the presidential elections, what's happened with race relationships that are coming, not even what has happened, but what's emerging, the conversation that's shifting around race. Is, is all huge, um, that we live in, goodness, in relationship with others where there's passive aggressiveness, where there's microaggressions, where we're not really clear oftentimes about what it is that we want and how to negotiate what it is that we want without dominating, uh, without manipulating, and those all cause trauma. Um, can cause overwhelm to the nervous system, not that they automatically do, but they can. And certainly something like cancer can be that as well. And what you said earlier about how that scrambles the brain is such a great analogy, that that's what happens when we experience trauma, is that then we have the fear about how to proceed forward, because it's even more scary because we've been hurt or we've been traumatized by that experience of moving forward in the life And so we want to cling to the past oftentimes because it feels familiar not necessarily safe, but it feels familiar um, Yeah, and trauma is really mm. difficult to resolve without concrete attention And it takes a comprehensive approach. I mean, I'd say it's sleep, it's nutrition, it's working on the limbic system. It's about releasing the trauma. It's about psychological modalities. It's a lot of work that needs to bring us forward for that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of work.
0: It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I mean, so it's like, yeah, your book so, you know therapy sleep nutrition like everything you said plus yoga and podcasts and rest you know we talked about rest earlier uh, there can't be we need rest i was going to use like a triple negative or something there we need we need rest you know you can't go to the gym every single day i mean i guess you could but it's it's but we need rest to grow and to heal and I think it it becomes extra yeah. challenging with And
1: trauma. so there needs to be an integration period of where we're resting and restoring our body. You know, I used to teach, and I still do teach these trauma-releasing exercises that were developed by Dr. Berselli. And the emphasis oftentimes was on the shaking and the tremors, and that's the release that's happening for the nervous system. So it'll help reset and restore your nervous system. It was great. And now what they're finding is, is that that can, too, overwhelm the nervous system. And so it's smaller moments Mm. of shaking with the shavasana, where you're in that yogic position, you know, the corpse position, relaxing and integrating, because it is through that deceptively simple activity as resting that the integration actually happens. And people find when they do that that they actually feel more so it's not always about the shaking more is better but it's about the restoration that happens when we integrate when we sleep when we slow down that's huge
0: i'm almost i'm almost tearing up thinking about just the positive benefits of rest and then also the fact that shavasana is my favorite pose uh, and there's a reason for that i mean you know i was told that you do the the asanas so that you can get to shavasana. <laughs> love it. So, so that you can rest and like get into sort of a meditative state and get out of the head and into the body, which is what we're talking about here, which is what we were talking about before I hit the record button, uh, is, is, is dropping into the body, reconnecting with the body, listening to the body. The more I do this work, the more I, I know in my body, that there is a lot of wisdom.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and for me, it seems kind of, somewhat antithetical. It's like, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of work. And it's like, well, what I really need to do is I really need to listen to my body. <laughs> and yeah, and stop working and listening. And stop when working. I do that, I actually experience more joy, uh, more expression of myself. Uh, and I feel like more love, I I feel more love, not only for myself, but for the people that are in my life. And so it's, it's a profound shift to just be, uh, and boy, if my kids heard me, which they probably will, they'd be like, oh yeah, just be mom. (laughs) Exactly. And that's difficult because we're not programmed in this world where production is so critical and there's such an emphasis and we get so many accolades for what it is that we produce, how much money we make, how much we're selling, how much we're doing. I mean, I used to work at the University of Colorado at Boulder and there was this badge of honor if you'd stayed up all night and pulled an all-nighter to do your work and telling students that you actually need your sleep to be, you know, joyous and more productive. Is that pulling all night or spending more time is not beneficial to your being. Um and they know that, but the system endorses it because then then they'll have their work done on time or yeah, there's something kind of crazy about the world that we live in.
0: <laughs> well, it's a capitalism. I mean it's capitalism, yes. right? Like uh-huh. we're we're judged on our productivity. And 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 the reality is that we're not machines. Yeah. But we're expected to be machines. And what I find beautiful about all this is uh, I I speak sometimes or talk to people about the feminine and the masculine.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: And <laughs> yeah, and I'm also I, I'm not super clear on it because it's not very clear, anyways. Um, but you know my my girlfriend really struggles with being. Yeah. And I think I can extrapolate or I can generalize that women feel like they don't deserve to just be.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yes. And you've hit the nail on the head, especially for women who've had cancer who wanted to sign up for my class because they felt like I've spent so much time, so much money, so much um, goodness, you know, energy from my family for them to take care of me. So now that I actually want to be well and explore pleasure in my life, I can't do that. So I can't take the time to sign up for this class because. That would be time away from my family, and I've already spent all this time being sick and down and not productive. Mm. And like, wow, is that the value that we have for ourselves? Wow. Hmm.
0: I mean, I, I spent a lot of my time paradoxically telling people they don't need my permission. Yeah. Or anybody's permission to just be, and, and it's paradoxically because I'm actually giving people the permission yeah. not to <laughs> not not to need my permission. Mm-hmm. Um to just like take space. Yeah. And take time. And uh, you don't need to do any more. I mean, I'm running this uh, workshop right now on confidence with my co-host and my colleague and my friend, Julian Richardson, and there's a big piece on just being enough.
1: Yeah, love it.
0: By virtue of being a human. Yes. Yeah. You wake up, boom, enough, worthy. You're worthy of love, to be loving, to be loved, uh, happiness, respect, just worthy, baseline, worthiness. Yeah. not Not tied to your productivity. Or to your body parts, right? No, nope. like, mm-hmm. uh, Or to your uh, diagnosis or your status as a survivor or not. You're just worthy. Yeah. That's hard for a lot of people to, to feel.
1: Yes, it is. And oftentimes what I've seen with women is that it is not so hard for them to imagine that being true for their daughters or for their sons or for their best friends. And so they might give their best friend or their daughter or their son that pep talk of, you're amazing. You have so much value. And when it comes to themselves, that is so difficult. And the reality is, is that is always where it begins. Because if it does not begin there, then anything that we're saying feels like saccharine. It doesn't feel true.
0: Mm. I think a lot of people intellectually know this. I think we do. <laughs> right, we know this, but we don't feel it. Yeah. So how how can we feel more? Like let's I guess let's get practical.
1: Yeah, let's feel more. Well, you know, one thing that is is coming to me, especially as you're talking about male and female energy, is that you know, one of the profound teachings that I received recently um, in the past year, as I've been studying deeper and learning so much more about my own experience of being human. Is that and I'm identify as heterosexual men in a heterosexual relationship, and that the upper part of the chest, the breasts for women, are where we give life, that's how we give you know milk to feed our babies, and that's such a potent area of our bodies, and that the same part of the body is a negative receptor for men, and that that is a protected site for them of like how do they receive love So, receive a man's part is a very uh, goodness, precious experience. And that we as women, because our, our breaths are out, we give to the world, we're in relationship like that, that we connect with other women in that way, we imagine that other people can be so heart focused. And, and again, these are just gross generalizations about the energy, but that's how it works in our physiology, for the most part. And for men, they give through semen they give through their penis, right? So their second chakra, they're given life through that part of their body. And for women, that is a part that they feel much more protected about or private, or that it's only going to be for a few or somebody that I choose, that it's something special about that. And so that's a negative receptor for them. And so when you put those pieces together, the positive and the negative, you know, it fits well. Um, and, and again, not that, that This is true for everybody or true for every situation, but I do think that it's a interesting lens to look at through the world um, and how then we show up in the bodies that we're currently in and how we're then relating to other and what the expectations are. And I say that because I think about in heterosexual relationships, um, the expectations that we then have in terms of sex, in terms of emotions, and how then we have fluency in those conversations. Based on you know the body that we're showing up in, based on how we're showing up in the relationship, based on our own desires and needs, and maybe that that was tangential, but it felt pertinent in in this moment.
0: Well, I, I laughed because there's the circular breath meditation. Yeah, yeah. That that people can do, and it's sort of you know I do it with my my partner, and I'm in a heterosexual relationship. Yeah, uh, and and so like she'll. Um, She'll breathe out through her heart, right? Which connected to a lot of like how women, what you were saying about how women give. Yeah. And I'll breathe in through my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, I'll breathe out through through my the root chakra and she'll breathe in through her root chakra. And then we'll do this like beautiful um, meditation.
1: Beautiful.
0: Breathing meditation, um, which is connected to something that we had talked about when we did like our little intro call, uh, which is this, idea of mindfulness yeah Mm -hmm. and okay this is all right let's let's try to figure this thing out we're talking about reconnecting to the body yeah right so tapping into the wisdom listening to what the body has to say how does mindfulness connect to the listening to our body
1: yeah and so i'm just going to reference christine caldwell who is a Naropa, uh, a goodness faculty or former faculty member. And she wrote a book called bodyfulness. And so (laughs) that's nice. (laughs) Uh, I think that's the next evolution. I think that's where we're at. Uh, Yeah. And that's what that's goodness is that when we let the mind dictate our behaviors, then it becomes problematic. But when we allow the body to emerge and be the vehicle that directs the forward motion, it's a much different experience. And, and I did want to say, that coming back to the breath, I'm glad that you brought that up. That is such a profound vehicle to bring us back to the present moment because the body is always in the present moment. It's never in the future. It's never in the past. So there's some, again, some inherent wisdom to being in the body where the mind can take us to the future, It can take us to the past, depending upon if we're dealing with anxiety or depression, um, that the body is so perfectly suited to, bringing us back into the present moment where we can co-create with whatever higher power the universe to manifest the things that we're, we're here to, to manifest.
0: What are, what are we here to manifest?
1: I don't know. What are you, I mean, I think you're doing a podcast, right? I'm writing a book.
0: (laughs) All right. We're good. We figured out our thing for now.
1: Uncheck.
0: So I, uh, I'll share this with with people. I've been struggling with like nicotine use for a long time. Uh, it used to be cigarettes, chewing tobacco, vaping, and lately it's been. And I've been good. You know, I've been like good for three years, good for two years, good for you know. Why does
1: that mean
0: good? Uh, not using it.
1: Okay.
0: Um, yeah. Right. So I have a judgment on the behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so for for a long time, I wasn't using it. Good because I don't feel good when I when I use nicotine. Yeah, yeah. Because I can't use it safely. Yeah. You know, there's some people they can have a couple of cigarettes and that's that's not me. I'm like one, two, twenty. That's how it mm-hmm. goes. First yeah. day I'll have one, the next day I'll have two, the third day I'll have twenty. Yep. Yeah. That's I mean, I'm I'm an addict in recovery, so like I just kind of go hard all the time. And so I have to be careful about the stuff that I use. In, In any case, recently I've been vaping more and I've been like on and off and I've been exploring that with my therapist. And she, you know, her reflection was that, oh, isn't it interesting that you're using a device that is essentially, right, helping you to a certain degree breathe. Yeah. Right? Like the, the idea behind the cigarette is that you'll take a break to breathe. Mm. But the, the the paradox is that it actually makes it harder to breathe because you're like sucking through a thing and the thing isn't terribly good for you. And so really like what I've been really needing is, is breath. Yeah. Is slowing down, is just like sitting with yeah. my breath. This is taking a moment. Yeah. Right. When I'm feeling anxiety, instead of running to the store and buying yet another jewel, it's to okay, take a break and breathe and maybe get a little curious around what's coming up for me.
1: I think that's beautiful.
0: Yeah. Nice reflection. Worth her, yeah. Worth worth the the years of work that we've done together.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A- and you know, just to take it a step further is that for me, the analogy seems to be uh, all over the, the culture is, you know, I can't breathe. Those are George Floyd's last words um, that I see on graffiti. I can't breathe, um, that people are feeling claustrophobic and that the world is not stable and that it's moving in on them and that they can't breathe.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: Mm-hmm. So I I would say Sean, you're absolutely not alone. I think a lot of people are having that experience that they can't breathe. Mm. <sighs> ah, yeah.
0: It does feel really good to breathe.
1: It sure does. One of my favorite things to do it over and over again.
0: We that's all. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're talking about mindfulness and and like a lot of meditation. The the focus is the breath.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'll just say in Tantra, the focus is often the breath as well. It expands and extends pleasure.
0: Hmm.
1: Breath is powerful.
0: We don't spend a lot of time thinking about it.
1: No. And so when we're able to be conscious about the breath, the quality of air that we're taking in, how we're taking it into our bodies. That is a really powerful observation. That's really powerful information for us. I often ask people where does the inhalation land and where does the exhalation begin? And so that gives their mind something to kind of grasp to as they have the experience of what that actually feels like in their physiology, in their vessel, in their being.
0: My God. Mm-hmm. You know, I said we don't think about the breath. Yeah. And the goal isn't to think about the breath. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's to just like, you know, oh God, this is the, be the breath. It's to feel the breath. It's to breathe. It's to drop into the body and it's not to like uh, mentalize everything.
1: Yes. Uh-huh,
0: yeah. That's actually what we're talking about.
1: Yes, I know. And, you know, I'd say that, hmm, sometimes that's an access point is that when we need to mentalize Something or bring it into our minds and think about it that that's a good faculty of taking in information and that we don't need to dismiss it. But when we overuse something and use it all the time and it becomes a default mechanism, then can we become curious about what other ways we can take in that information? Can we really feel it? You know, can we really experience it? Because there's so many ways of knowing in the world and it's not always about thinking. That's when I think it becomes problematic.
0: Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love the, the idea of awareness. Yeah. Uh, without awareness, we're just kind of bumbling around.
1: Oftentimes we are. And sometimes we're in awareness.
0: <laughs> the, pro- <laughs> the problem is that it becomes harder to keep bumbling when you have the awareness.
1: It can be, yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. We're going to eventually, we're going to stop recording because we've been, we've been talking for so long. And the beauty of a shorter episode is that people tend to listen to more of it.
1: Yes, me too. That's my sense.
0: (laughs) So, so we're just going to have to, you know, make do with, with the bit that we recorded. And I'm eternally grateful for your grace and for your wisdom. And, um, I have a few more questions before we end. One of them is where can we work with you and where can we find your book?
1: Yes. Yeah. So on 12, 12, 20 is my actual book launch. And that's at 515 on my Facebook page, Rediscovering My Body. You are all welcome to join me there. I think it will be very fun. I do have a website, rediscoveringmybody.com. You can find information there. And the book will be available, like I said, on Amazon soon. So twelve twelve is the
0: date. Okay, perfect. And we'll we'll release this episode close to that so that it coincides very well.
1: You're awesome, Sean. Thank you.
0: <laughs> and uh, what does love mean to you?
1: Oh, how beautiful. Hmm. Hmm. I think something you know about allowing myself. To feel all the vastness that there is without fear.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: That's what it feels Thank like. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much for that. Mm. Thank you for spending this hour with Tara and me talking about the body and the importance that it plays in decision-making and in trust. I hope that you breathe a little bit better today, maybe tomorrow. Have a beautiful week.